0: everybody welcome to the Orthodox Logos my name is Ian Silver and today on episode 10 we are going to be talking about pride and humility in Orthodox perspective thank you everybody for being here if you're on YouTube make sure to give this video a thumbs up share it comment if you feel called to the Streamlabs donation link is in the chat that helps tremendously as well if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts after this has been published, God bless you. I appreciate that as well. Make sure to give that a five-star rating so that it can rise rise up and beat the algorithm that we're dealing with. I hope everybody is enjoying the Nativity Fast. We are quickly approaching the feast of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I hope everybody has been enjoying this and has had a fruitful feast fast rather and it's been beneficial for your your soul and your body and has humbled you in many ways today december 22nd we also commemorate the great martyr saint anastasia so happy name day to everybody with the name anastasia she's known as the deliverer of potions and the great martyr anastasia was a The deliverer of her potions, a Roman by birth, suffered for Christ at the time of the Diocletian's persecution of Christians. Her father was her pagan, pagan, and her mother was secretly a Christian. Her teacher was a pious Christian named Chrysophagonus. After the death of her mother, her father gave St. Anastasia to marriage to a pagan. But after feigning illness, she preserved her virginity and was later persecuted and martyred so happy name day to everybody and we commemorate her december 22nd i had some technical difficulties my landlord is digging trenches to burn wood he's made a few burn piles and i think he clipped the wi-fi router or the wi-fi cable rather and i had to run a line an ethernet line through my studio wall into my PC so that I could stream, and it's been a little glitchy. I'm hoping everything looks well, sounds well, and that we can continue on with the stream. So, my apologies. It's always something, it's humbling, which I find ironic today as we speak about pride and humility. Hello, everybody in the chat. I appreciate you, Orthodox Artist. Hello, brother. How are you? God bless. David, thank you for being here again for the third time. Let's go ahead and get into today's topic, pride and humility. And we see a lot of pride in our society today and not very much humility. It seems like the way to get ahead is by selling your soul, so to speak, and becoming prideful so that you can be better than others. And there's a lack of humility in society. We see all this talk about self-esteem self-worship, self-love, and I think it is separating us immensely from God and we see what it's doing to our society and to our future generations. The obsession with self, self-worship, and being your own God. We we forget that we are images of, of Christ. We are icons of Christ and we need to humble ourselves and You know, kill the passions, kill the pride. A sacrifice to God is a contrite and humble heart. We know that. So I am going to read from some writing from Abert Trifon. This, I believe, is an older article. I've dropped it in the chat. And I'll put it in the description for the YouTube video and Spotify, Apple Podcast as well. And let's go ahead and get into this. It's titled, The Link Between Repentance and Humility. In an age when self-focus is the rule of the day and where the ego seems to reign, it is hard for people to see the value of humility. Many people, from politicians to rock stars, seem to climb the ladder of success by being anything but humble. In our darkened state, with sin dominating our lives and bad habits seemingly insurmountable, holiness seems to be about saints, but unattainable for ourselves. Stuck in our habitual patterns of behavior, we seem to have surrendered all hope for real change. The antidote to this inertia can be found in one simple act, the act of repenting. We fall down before our God, confessing our failure at having kept kept the commandments and asking for God's help in turning our lives around. We commit ourselves to crushing down the ego and acquiring a humble heart. We take every opportunity to accept correction or criticism without becoming defensive. For we know the truth in the words of St. John Climacus, as with the, with the appearance of light, darkness retreats. So at the fragrance of humility, all anger and bitterness vanishes. We refrain from judging anyone, but only examine our own conscience, accusing only ourselves. St. Macarius the Great wrote, Christians therefore ought to strive continually and never to pass judgment on anyone. No, not upon the hard on the street, Upon open sinners and disorderly persons, but to regard all men with singleness of intention and purity of eye, so that it may become like a fixed law of nature to despise no one, to abhor no one, to make no distinctions between them. This is the purity of heart. When you see sinners or sick people, to have compassion on them and to be tender hearted towards them. With love in Christ, Abbot Trifon. Sorry, I am removing someone from the chat. They have commented many weird things before, so I'll forgive me. So that was a short write-up from Abbot Trifon, The Link Between Repentance and Humility. And then I'm going to read another thing from OCA. I found this very interesting as well. Humility. In the Orthodox tradition, humility has often been called the mother of all virtues, and pride has been named the cause of all sin. The wise and honest person is the one who is humble. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. It is better to be of the lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoils with the proud. A man's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will retain honor. Proverbs 16, 18, 16, 19, 29, 23 according to the gospel and the song of the virgin the lord scatters the proud in the imagination of their hearts and exalts those who are humble and meek luke one to 51-52 this is the exact teaching of jesus for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted that's from luke 14 11 18 14 and proverbs 3 34. humility does not mean degradation or remorse it does not mean affecting some sort of demeaning external behavior. It does not mean considering oneself as the most vile and loathsome of creatures. Christ himself was humble, and he did not do this. God himself, according to the spiritual tradition of the church, has perfect humility, and he certainly does not act in this way. Genuine humility means to see reality as it actually is, as it actually is in God. It means to know oneself and others as known by God. A power, according to St. Isaac, greater than that of raising the dead. The humble lay aside all vanity and conceit in the service of the least of God's creatures and to consider no good act as beneath one's dignity and honor. Humility is to know oneself without the grace of God as dust, sinful, and dead. God is humble because he cares about the least, the birds in the air, the grass in the fields, the worst of sinners. Christ is humble because he associates with the lowly, becoming the slave of all and taking on himself the sins of the world. If I then your Lord and Master have washed your feet, you also ought to wash another one's feet, for I have given you an example that you should also do as I have done to you. John thirteen, fourteen through fifteen. You know that rulers of the pagans you know that the rulers of the pagans lorded over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among, among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Matthew 20, 25-28 All Christians are to follow, examples, follow the example of Christ in his divine humility. St. Paul teaches, Do nothing from selfishness or conceit, but in humility count others better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which you have in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, to the glory of the Father. Philippians 2, 3-11 through The exaltation of Jesus as a man depended entirely on his self-emptying humility. True greatness, divine greatness, is the ability to be the least, and to the least with the absolute cert- cert- certitude that it is Externally and divinely important, that is, it is an intimidation of God himself, imitation of God himself. True humility for the sinful man is to know that indeed, according to one's own possibilities and gift, each one is truly the first and greatest of sinners. For each one has sinned in his own way like no other man. The truly humble person is the one who, confessing his sins, is faithful over little, and doing so is exalted by the Lord and is set over much. Only such a person will enter into the joy of his master. That's an article from the OCA website. And now we are going to watch a video, a few videos.
1: To assist priests in their role as confessors, there's an excellent little book by Metropolitan Anthony Krabofitsky, who was the first primate of the Russian Orthodox Church outside Russia and who reposed in the Lord in 1936. The book is simply called Confession, and though it's written to help priests hear confession and give guidance, it's very useful for us all in our understanding of our sins and passions and how to approach confession. In chapter 12, he focuses on pride, and all of us may benefit from his insights. First, Metropolitan Anthony notes that those who suffer from anger must understand that it's often rooted in pride. In fact, he says, anger itself rarely exists as an independent passion, but is the result of our inability to satisfy some other passion through reflection on ourselves, we may come to see when and why we're becoming angry and so identify the passion lurking behind it. Many of us have learned to conceal our passions. We know that avarice or lust will be frowned upon if we make them visible. But anger is the involuntary sign that these passions live within us when circumstances deny them. With regards to pride itself, Metropolitan Anthony notes that we live in a world where pride is no longer a fall or seen as a stumbling for many people, but has become their constant state. And we may add to this, I suppose, that especially in the 21st century, our children are being educated to take pride in themselves and we dress it up as self-esteem and self-worth. But Metropolitan Anthony warns us that in reality there is no good or noble form of pride. Every form of pride is repugnant to God. To suppose otherwise, Metropolitan Anthony describes as a spiritual blindness, warning us that every kind of pride, every kind, is demonic. If we do not consider it a sin, how can we ever hope to be freed from it? Let's think of the example of Christ, the example of the apostles, all the martyrs through the ages who suffered scorn and ridicule. Who amongst us today would not be tempted to defend his own name, defend his honour? demand to be treated with at least a little respect. How alien and dangerous this may sound to many modern ears. The more we react against it, the deeper we know the philosophy and ethics of the world have penetrated us. Metropolitan Anthony identifies two forms of pride, vainglory and spiritual pride. He says, the first is easier to spot. When we seek after or desire praise from others, then we know it's present. But spiritual pride is more dangerous because it's harder to recognize. When we become confident in our virtues, in our good actions, in our kindness, our tremendous prayer life or closeness to God, all of us, may have fleeting thoughts of recognition when we catch ourselves doing something good. All of us may be tempted when we seek to serve God. Perhaps God has blessed us to sing well in the choir or we've donated a large sum of money to the church or to charity or visited the sick and so on. This is where we must be careful. Bring the feelings to our confessor. Scrutinise them. Because sensitive and thoughtful people may be tempted by the demons to abandon their good works for the sake of avoiding such poisonous thoughts, such proud thoughts. Metropolitan Anthony tells us we should brush such thoughts aside. Give them no second thought but continue to seek to serve God as well as we can. Troubling thoughts like these are a common problem for many people. If you suffer from them, know that you are not alone in this. There's an example quoted by Father Maximus of Mount Athos. He says, Think about the aeroplanes in the sky. They fly everywhere, even over Mount Athos. But on the holy mountain, there's no runway built for them to land on, so they must keep flying over. So too, let us dismiss troubling thoughts as unworthy of our attention. Give them no place to land. Father Maximus says that on Mount Athos, monks are told, Do not think about such thoughts, and do not think about thinking about such thoughts. Do not struggle with them. Brush them away like flies. Don't engage with them. Let us then look closely at ourselves, acknowledging our pride and rejecting it. Let us seek forgiveness from those we have offended. Let us avoid always wanting to dominate or be right. Let our hearts soften and accept that our will does not have to be done. Let us bear the ill will of others with love. And let us remember it was pride that brought Satan down from heaven. So
0: that was a video by Father Spirit and Bailey. A wonderful video about pride. Hello, everybody in the chat. Thank you for being here. Sorry about the technical difficulties I had earlier. I'm hoping everything is sounding good and looking good. Today, we are talking about pride and humility, something we all struggle with, something I definitely struggle with. That's even odd when I come on here and ask you to... You know, Like this video or share this video it seems you know counterintuitive, but at the same time I realized that I am doing this for the glory of God I am try I'm at least trying to do this for the glory of God and I need to catch myself if I become prideful and Humble myself when I do have those feelings or those thoughts and that's why I, I take the time to Center myself and pray before I come in come on here and ask God to let my words glorify him and that that none of this is about me so that's just something that I was thinking about while listening to that video it's it's odd to say hey make sure you like that like this video subscribe share this with your friends and I just I want to acknowledge that sometimes we do those things out of pride but if we're doing everything for the glory of God then that that's the way we should we should be living daily Armand said, Father Bailey is incredible. Yes, he is. My friend Joseph asked, how were the donuts? I'm not quite sure what he means, but he's always got something funny to say. I appreciate him very much. Next, we're going to read some church fathers and their perspective on humility and pride as well. I'll drop that link in the chat. Armand says, It is a difficult balance because we need to defend our faith but not become prideful. I agree. It's We want to be proud of being Christians in a way, but we don't want to be prideful of it as if we're better than anyone else because that is not the teachings of the church and that's not the teachings of Christ. And I constantly find myself um, judging others and then having to check myself and say, You know, they're are no worse than me. I'm no better than them. I am the first of all sinners, and I think that's one of the beautiful things we say during litur- liturgy. Is you know, of of whom you know you came here to save sinners. Of whom I am the first, and we're acknowledging that no matter what else is going on in the world, whoever else is sinning, that it's us who we need to we need to look at ourselves and realize I'm I'm the worst of sinners, you know, and and take take the log out of our, our eye before we remove the speck from our brothers and and that seems to be something that is very hard to do especially when you've found the true faith and the true church and you get all zealous and you start getting a little prideful and you forget to humble yourselves and remember that not everybody you know either has has access to to understanding what orthodoxy is or they're not ready for it i know that in the beginning i definitely wasn't ready for it and we're never worthy of being of uh, being baptized of being christians we're never worthy of taking communion and you know being in front of that chalice and but we must humble ourselves and remember that christ loves us no matter what state we're in and you know show humility and do away with the pride and the passions because those things when you get prideful then you you start acting on your passions and you you start thinking about what's going to just do you good and you know what's going to glorify me and my self-esteem when we should just be glorifying God and the only esteem we should have is esteem to God as well. So let's go ahead and read some sayings from church fathers and saints. Humility, the basis of all the virtues and the fundamental requirement for spiritual fruition. Do you have humility, you have God. You have everything. You don't have humility, you lose everything. So retain the feeling of humility in your heart. Our natural and normal relationship with God requires a heart which is impassioned, contrite, and entirely devoted to Him. A heart which cries mystically at every moment, Lord, you know all things, save me. If we surrender ourselves into His hands, He'll do with us and for us whatever's best for our salvation, according to His wise and holy will. That's a quote. From St. Theophon the Recluse, the soul that has acquired humility is always mindful of God and thinks to herself, God has created me. He suffered for me. He forgives me my sins and comforts me. He feeds me and cares for me. Why then should I take thought for myself? And what is there to fear even if death threatens me? The Lord enlightens every soul that has surrendered to the will of God. For he said, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. That is from one of my favorite saints, St. Silouan the Athenite. And then a small article on the comparison of humility and pride. And we see that pride manifests itself in the human heart, and we can tell how deeply we are possessed by this sin by examining our own thoughts. So we will contrast humility and pride by juxtaposing the two. David says, smash the like button with humility. Amen, brother. I appreciate that. I know I had to go live a few times and I had some technical difficulties, so there's not as many people in here, but I'll share this video on Spotify podcast, Apple podcast, and after this, it will be live and available to watch as well. A proud heart loves only itself. A humble heart loves everyone. A proud heart always promotes its own ego. A humble heart never talks about itself. A proud one is filled with envy. A humble one is filled with love. Pride exposes its gifts. Humility hides them. Pride boasts about its deeds. Humility never mentions them. Pride loves and is flattered by praise. Humility avoids and embarrassed by such. Pride remembers the evil done against it and humility remembers only the good. Pride talks of vengeance and humility speaks of love. Pride has a high opinion of itself and humility remembers that all good things are a gift from God. And I mentioned this in, I think, the last video that we need to remember that all good things come from God, all good things that we do. And when we choose to do good things, those are a gift from God. When we choose to do evil and bad things, that is an absence of God. And God has given us free will To decide what we want to do and by doing good things we can humble ourselves and we can lose that sense of pride that society has injected into us to have, you know, to be prideful of all the money you have and prideful of the car you drive. But we should humble ourselves and just give thanks to God that we have money, that we have a job, we have a house, we have food, that he will always provide for us if we come to him with a humble heart. Pride seeks out to be number one, does not, tolerate, does not tolerate superiority, and if it meets such, it responds with envy. Humility seeks the last seat for itself and rejoices when others prosper and excel. Pride desires to be a king, and humility desires to be a servant. A proud heart is a well from which all bad things come forth, and a humble heart is a spring from which all good things flow. Pride destroys us spiritually, and humility saves us. If we ask pride, what do you tell the hearts that give you refuge? It will answer, I tell them, learn and show your virtues. Quality and value and the whole world will bow to you and admire you. Then you will be content. If we ask humility the same question, it will answer, I tell them, consider yourself nothing and you will have peace in God. Pride brings darkness to our hearts and humility brings light. In a heart that harbors pride, there is no room for humility, since light and darkness cannot coexist in the same place. The brighter the day becomes in the morning, the further it pushes darkness away. The same happens in our inner lives. As our hearts fill with humility, even the vestige of pride disappears. Jesus tells us, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, Whoever humbles himself as the little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 18, 3-4. Gaining humility in a busy and competitive world. As Christians, we are called to become like Christ, meek and humble, learning from his example. But what does our society teach us? Speaking personally, growing up, I learned the opposite of humility. And we see that over and over in society today. As well, that, you know, why be, why be humble? Where, where's that going to get you? I was taught to be proud, to strive to be better than others in school, to win over others in individual sports, to rely on my own intelligence and will. I entered the business world in a large corporation and quickly learned that you need to look better than others to be promoted and to earn the better jobs. I, suc- suc- I succeeded, but there were times when the stress was so high that I had to take tranquilizers to calm my nerves. My mind was always occupied with thoughts about how to survive in this competitive world. I was consumed by trying to be successful. I always feared that my livelihood and even my being might be threatened if I did not perform well. I was seen as very successful and had to maintain it. And this is an article. I put the link in the chat. It's about gaining humility in a busy and competitive world. And it's it's written by... Let's see who wrote this. Father, Father uh, Charles Joyner, and this is an older article, but I really enjoyed it. After I had achieved the senior management position at a young age as a vice president of a major Fortune 500 U.S. corporation, it dawned on me that there had to be more in this world than such worldly success. Once I had the title that represented success, the title no longer had any meaning. I didn't know what was missing, but I began seeking in different in a different way. I was an orthodox convert by marriage, but the church at that time taught in Greek and the services were almost all Greek. I was uplifted when I attended services, but did not learn how to deal with the inner conflict I was experiencing. Elder Joseph teaches us the following: blessed and favored people who are humble are blessed and favored people who are humble and meek, calm, serene, attached to virtue. Opposed to evil, untroubled by any circumstance or threat. They live in the bosom, bosom of the faith, like infants in the maternal embrace of grace. They never live for themselves because they've forgotten what that is. This is what I was missing, humility. I was proud of my pride. I believed that what I accomplished was all to do with my own will. If I failed, it would also be my own doing but I knew there were so many extraneous factors in business success that I had no control over. And many people worked for me or with me to accomplish what we did. I carried a large burden. My superiors put the success of my organization on me and I knew that they would blame me for any failure. The reality was that I was not really in control of all the factors of the success they sought. And up to now, I had been lucky by the circumstances of my success. How could I become humble and still compete in the corporate world? I definitely desired calmness, wanted to be virtuous and untroubled by circumstances or threats, but I feared I might lose my success. Elder Joseph Joseph says, humility penetrates and is penetrated. It doesn't fear, doesn't question, doesn't seek, and therefore doesn't move. It wasn't until many years later after leaving the corporate world that I began to understand what humility was and how difficult it is to attain. I was fortunate to have left this environment. Elder Joseph also says, According to the fathers, humility is a gift of the Holy Spirit, not merely a human accomplishment. It is given to those who desire it, seek seek it, and work painstakingly on the things which contribute to the successful acquisition of this very blessing. This is a key insight. Humility is a gift of God. It is not something we can gain on our own. We must desire it and nurture it, but it is only through God's grace that we gain this Christ-like state. So how do we do this? Elder Joseph says, Those who desire to be worthy of the gift of humility should know that the greatest contributing factor in this is recognition of the passionate, passionate state into which all the passions have brought us after the fall, as well as the noxious consequences of a sinful life. The answer is very simple, it seems. Repentance. This is the first thing Jesus taught when he entered into his public ministry. We must come to terms with our brokenness, the sickness of our souls, and embrace the true nature of our condition. Surrounding ourselves, surrendering ourselves, to be held in his arms to help us and guide us. After 70 years of life, this is still a challenge. My growth in this direction has taken many small steps, and I realize that I am still a long way from this ideal. Lately I have found great benefit from a wise and holy spiritual father who has planted thoughts that lead me that led me and observations that I must deal with but I now listen to every word he utters and do not question it like I used to do uncovering our simpleness requires that we believe that we are broken and therefore desire to receive thoughts and suggestions that will help us deal with our fallen condition we become joyful when we gain new insights about our condition We are thankful for any help we can receive we cannot see this as a weakness but a necessity for our well-being once again a true gift from god in addition to having a in addition to having a spiritual father with whom you trust i found great value in the practice of the jesus prayer lord jesus christ son of god have mercy on me a sinner this prayer instantly reminds you of your need for god's mercy and your sinfulness it also penetrates your mind in a way that brings calmness to any situation when you were able to call on this simple but powerful prayer. Hope everybody's doing well. Thank you so much for being in here. It's truly humbling. And I always get very nervous before I do these things because I slip up with pronouncing certain things or, you know, I get nervous. But I'm, I'm trying to do this to grow as well in humility and to glorify God David says, on the most recent episode of The Royal Path, they spoke about the desire for likes being even stronger than desire for money. I've struggled with that in the past, and sometimes I still do. It's something, um, I think, as an artist, as a photographer, when I first started with Instagram, that's all that it was about. Because the likes, the likes equal, you know, they, they, they boost your ego. They let you know you're doing something right. And it becomes this internal struggle with, do I post this? Is it going to get enough likes? Are people going to, you know, not like it? Oh, I only got a hundred likes. And I still struggle with this from time to time, but I'm trying to look at it more as if these likes are the amount of people I can reach, not, you know, not uh, a way to boost my self-esteem, so to speak. If I can post something from the church fathers and I reach a thousand people, Glory to God. That's a thousand people that are seeing these beautiful words and learning more about the faith. If I only reach a hundred people, I need to humble myself and realize that's still a hundred people. It doesn't matter what that number says. you're still reaching people and it's still you know it's still edifying and it's it's good for people in a way that shouldn't just benefit yourself. So that's a very good point, David, in the chat it says. On the most recent episode of The Royal Path, they spoke about the desire for likes being even stronger than the desire for money. I can definitely, definitely see that. And sometimes likes equal money. That's another thing I struggled with. You know, I was doing brand deals, and if I didn't have a certain amount of followers, if I didn't have a certain amount of likes, brands wouldn't work with me. You know, so there's that, there's this internal conflict, as I said, with. Wanting to just reach people, but also wanting, you know, those numbers like, oh man, I just got 5,000 likes on this picture. Look at me. I'm so cool. But if you can humble ourselves and realize if you're doing what you do in love and you're doing it for the glory of God, if you reach one person, then that's absolutely, absolutely amazing. Nelson Thomas says, doing great, brother. I appreciate that. Truly humbled. Thank you so much. Um, if you guys are just getting in here, drop a comment. Let me know where you're from. Make sure to smash that like. Share this video. Let's try to reach as many people as we can. I still get extremely nervous doing these, but glory to God, I'm here and I'm able to do this. Next, we're going to watch another video. And this video is a video by Father Josiah Trenum. It's about humility. It's an older video from back in 19 or 2019. But I hope you guys enjoy this.
2: Congratulations on reaching the end of the great fast and completing the 40 days. Many of you struggled well and for that you can be thankful and glorify God. Others of you disregarded the fast, and that was stupid. You should repent and move on. All of us are going to move on now and leave the fast behind. And as we do, I want to share with you a word from St. John's of Sinai's ladder from high up on the ladder from chapter 25 from the 25th rung, which is on humility. In fact, it's entitled on that great destroyer of the passions. Most Sublime Humility. In this chapter, uh, St. John lays out three paramount properties of humility. How can you know if you have humility? What does humility actually look like? What constitutes it? And he says there that uh, the first paramount property of humility is that it takes great pleasure in indignities. Oof that in suffering and indignity, not only is the humble person not hurt, but is actually pleased. Wow. A second paramount property of humility, according to St. John of Sinai, uh, is that the humble person has put aside all bad temper. All bad temper is gone. And in its place, humility settles. And then the third quality of the humble person is that The humble person distrusts his own good qualities. He distrusts them and he constantly wants to learn. That's a magnificent description. The humble person is the person who is always wanting to learn from every person and every circumstance, always thirsty to improve himself or herself, not looking to teach, but looking to learn and to be taught. These are three chief qualities, uh, according to St. John. And he says in this beautiful chapter that uh, the, we believers have three basic relationships to humility, um, three basic orientations. We can find ourselves in one of these um, conditions. One is we are humble, two is that we are striving to be humble, and three, We praise those who are humble. He says the quality of number one to actually be humble is actually a quality of the perfect. (laughs) It's only the perfect who can honestly say that they're humble. Obviously, we should be uh, discreet about who we think to be humble if that's a quality of the perfect. Remember, this is step 25, very near paradise itself. The second relationship that we can have with humility is that we're striving to be humble. And he says this is the quality of the obedient. Those who are obedient are those who are striving to be humble. And the third relationship that we can have towards humility is that we praise those who are humble. And he says this is the quality of all the faithful. I think we can more safely say that this is where we believers uh, often find ourselves. We are neither humble nor are striving like we should be to be humble, but we do praise those who are humble. We adore the humble one, the Lord Jesus Christ. We adore the humble one, the most pure mother of God, and all of the saints who have this as their great quality. Humility, St. John says in this marvelous chapter, he says, is like the sun to Christian life, to spiritual life. He says, all, all, Natural things derive their energy from the sun. He goes, and all reasonable things derive their force from humility. He says also that it's the only virtue in the Christian life that the demons themselves cannot imitate. Humility is the great Christian virtue. And in acquiring of it, we destroy the passions, uh, the horrible addictions that are destroying us as i was uh, preparing these short reflections i remembered um, a, a word of caution that i once heard from a veteran priest um, father joseph shaheen this was many years ago and i was at with uh, my brother priest at a biannual clergy symposium and in those symposiums which are like festivals of instruction and preaching Uh, It was in the afternoon, and we were in one of the workshops, and the workshop was focused on how to support our parishioners' marriages, how to help troubled marriages. And as the presenters were talking, uh, all of a sudden, Father Joseph stood up, and he said, Brothers, we'll never be able to save troubled marriages if we don't get rid of selfies. This must have been, I don't know, 10 or more years ago, 15 years ago. I remember being completely taken aback, completely taken aback to see this priest decades older than myself, a a true veteran, a person who had poured his life out as a pastor seeking the salvation of his flock and the strength of Christian marriages in his parishes. And yet he saw so clearly that the selfie is more often than not, almost universally, one of the clearest expressions of self-interest and pride and an enemy of humility. And as long as we were so obsessed with the constant taking of selfies, and if you know anything about the number of photographs that are taken digitally every day the numbers for every person who has a cell phone who takes pictures of himself in his life every day you would just be heartsick absolutely heartsick social media and selfies are tremendous enemies tremendous enemies of humility and cultivating humility we should set aside i'm suggesting we should set aside this attachment uh, to selfies and to social media. In fact, I have a little recommendation for our readers to read Jaron Lanier's fantastic book, 10 Arguments for Deleting Your Social Media Accounts Right Now. It's not a long book, but it's a profound book by a man who was uh, one of the fathers of virtual reality, absolutely immersed in the development of the digital revolution who has uh, thought twice about how it has developed and how it's uh, working against the development of human character and significant human relationships. Many, many have been saved who never had any prophecies or revelations, St. John says in this chapter 25 of the latter, Many have been saved without any signs or wonders, but he says no one has been saved without humility Without humility, he says no one will enter the bridal chamber. We're now, dear ones, laying aside the great fast, laying aside this uh, concern that we've had to repent and focus on our uh, acquiring of virtues to please the Lord that constitutes Great Lent. We're laying these aside because the humble one is now coming. He comes to us now, humble and meek, seated on the full of an ass to save us, to reveal true humility to us. Having completed the 40-day fast, let us beseech God that we might be able to see and to greet the holy week of his passion. I wish you all a, a blessed Lazarus Saturday and Palm Sunday.
0: So I thought that was a very fruitful video from Father Josiah Trenum. I'm a uh, a big big fan of of his work. I think he is a, a beautiful example of you know what Orthodoxy can do for you and to you. Um, shout out to everybody in the chat. Brennan B Dive uh, makes some amazing amazing music. Uh, make sure to go check him out. David, thank you for being in here. He says, let's not delete this YouTube channel. Uh, and I said, if, if I can remain humble, I won't. If pride gets the best of me at some point, I'll either take a break or I will delete it. Block Party Vintage in the chat. How's it going, brother? So yeah, that was a, just a quick video by Father Josiah Trenum on humility that I found very relevant to this topic. Um... I'm going to read a few more things and then I will be out of here for the night. I'm reading from this article. And this is called, Why Does Humility Lead Us to Righteousness? St. Gregory Palamas says, Why does humility lead us to righteousness? Why does humility lead us to the heights of righteousness, whereas self-conceit leads down to the depths of sin? Because anybody who thinks he is something great, even before God, is rightly abandoned by God as one who thinks that he does not need his help. Anybody who despises himself, on the other hand, relies on mercy from above, wins God's sympathy, help, and grace. As it says, the Lord resists the proud, but he gives grace to the lowly. When we compare ourselves to the calling of God being made in his image, we can be no other than humble. Unless we think this way, why do we need God's help? We will remain stuck in our own ego-centeredness condemned to the heights of our own making our end when it comes will also be of our own making we will die with only our own thoughts to comfort us humility is the key to knowing and becoming united with god so we can live in his grace all we need is a little bit of humility and god will widen our perspective little by little until we find his full glory as we prepare This was an older article. As we prepare for this Lenten period, let us all seek to find one new limitation we have that keeps us from a full union with God. The next article is titled, Key to Humility, Knowing Our Weaknesses. One who is humble is one who can admit his mistakes. Elder Paisios takes this one step further and says it even better to be aware of of our weaknesses. He says, The one who realizes his mistakes has already progressed halfway. However, it also is very important for him to sense his weaknesses. It is much better to be aware of our own weaknesses than to struggle very hard while neglecting it. Why is it so important? Because when we know our weaknesses, then we have a chance of avoiding our mistakes. For example, if we have a problem with drinking too much, we can stray, stay away from activities that encourage drinking. If we are prone to become argumentative, then we can avoid the friends or TV commentators that encourage this. Once we know our weaknesses, we can arrange our life to avoid those situations where our weakness leads us to mistakes. B-Dive says, prayer before each video will help this help this be an instrument of God. Like BA says, all good things we do are from God through us. Amen. And I've been doing uh, a couple little prayers, but one of the prayers I like is the prayer before commencing any task and then centering myself with the Jesus prayer a little bit. I think it it just brings me back because there's been moments where I'm stressed or nervous to get on here. And then I pray and I realize it's not it's not about me. You know, I'm doing this, like I said, to humble myself, to learn more, to build a community. So That's my main reason behind doing this. And that's not to say that that's why I started um, the Orthodox Logos. You know, I I was new to things. I was unaware of what true humility really was. And I wanted to use my skills in a different way. And now I realize that I've been given those skills by God, so I'm using them to glorify Him. So I'm very thankful, incredibly humbled by everybody that has supported the channel purchased the magazine, bought t-shirts, anything of the sort. So I hope everybody continues to have a beautiful fast. We have a few days left. I'm sure everybody is ready for a nice steak or some chicken tenders. But I hope it's been fruitful for everybody, and I appreciate you being here. God bless, and I will see you very soon. David says, if that hunting had, had an orange orthodox, if that hunting hat had an orange orthodox cross in the front, it would be a top cello in the Ortho merch world. <laughs> That'd be funny. Yeah, the one, oh, the hat I'm wearing, yeah. Good idea. Bruna says, Amen. Your content has been a blessing for me. It's been a blessing for me to create stuff for you guys. And I I hope I can continue to do so. If you guys have any ideas on topics that that you want to hear about, that we can learn about together, my friend Joseph says, true, 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 so yeah, God bless you guys, and I will probably do another video tomorrow, and then I'll have a job at the end of January, Well. Where my time will be a little bit more limited so i might try to come up with a schedule maybe tuesdays and thursdays i'm going to talk to david patrick harry and allison and everybody else i don't want to be doing streams during when they're doing streams i like to watch their stuff as well and i think if anything we can time it time it right so that everybody's getting enough content without stepping on each other's toes i will be having some interviews shortly with a few people and i hope to see you guys soon god bless and have a a beautiful night